Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is episode 9 with Lisa Leong. Welcome to Is Told by Nomads. I'm your host, Ty Roxon, and I'm a blogger, digital marketer, and multicultural individual who's lived on four different continents. Listen weekly as I profile people who identify with several cultures and share with you stories, tips, and interviews about how to embrace your global identity and use it to your advantage to live your best life. Let us begin. What's up, Nomads? Today's episode is with the lovely actress Lisa Leong. She's a phenomenal, creative individual, and I really had fun talking to her. She's going to talk about how being a creative person can be an outlet to express emotions as a TCK. So stay tuned. You're in for a very, very fun episode. See ya. Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me the lovely Lisa Leong. She's an actress, writer, and producer, and she's lived in six countries so far, but she's about to tell us how to use our artistic expression and our TCKness together, if that's uh, a word, but um, welcome. Thank I'm you. Lisa. Thank you so much. <laughs> Very pleased to be here. Typically, I usually start off the interviews with the same thing. Could you map out your third culture experience, your global nomadic experience? Why did you go to all those countries and where? Okay, so my dad worked for Xerox, and uh, back when it was as big as, you know, Apple is now, or, or bigger, um, and they moved us around, you know, the way corporations do, just the way the military does, and the foreign service does, and religious missions do, so do corporations. <laughs> so, uh, my dad's side of the family is Guatemalan, of Chinese, Spanish descent, and my mom's side of the family is American, of Irish, English, German, French descent, so we're already an intercultural family anyway. And then we were moved by Xerox from Guatemala to Costa Rica and then to uh, Fairfield County, Connecticut, USA, and then to Panama City, Panama, then back to Fairfield County, then to Casablanca, Morocco, then to Cairo, Egypt. And uh, that was the last big move. And then my brother and I ended up going uh, to college in the USA on the East Coast. And we both ended up settling in the USA, much to both of our surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So I take it you're at least bilingual. Yeah. Yeah. Spanish and English. And I should really say English and Spanish because I learned them both at the same time. My Spanish was so much better when I was little. But then when we moved to the States, I really lost a lot of it. I understood everything 
but you know how you can understand a language without necessarily being able to verbalize it when you're learning. Well, it's the same as when you're losing it. As you start to learn, lose a language, you might still understand a lot of it, but for some reason, whatever the mechanism is in the brain that helps you speak it, a little bit lost. So that happened. And we always a little bit of it, but, but, you know, it was choppy. And then when we were in Casablanca, Morocco, when I was there in seventh and eighth grades, my parents put us into Spanish schools and that's what brought it back for me. Mm. All things to relearn <laughs> Spanish in Morocco. Yeah, no, it's the same way for me with because uh, in Nigeria we have a tribal language. Uh, English is the official, but it's a tribal language, and my tribal language is called Yoruba. But I can't really speak it. <laughs> my parents right. speak it all the time, but when they're speaking it, all, you know, I can understand what they're saying, but it, I, you know, it doesn't verbalize at all, at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's so frustrating, right? Because you want to jump in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's even more frustrating when the grandparents come in and they're speaking and they expect you to, you know, speak oh, the language. Uh, like, I don't know what you're saying. So, all those countries. Which was your favorite country? I was happiest in Panama, and I think it was because of my age. I was between six and a half and ten and a half, which is a really good age. It was right before puberty and when everything falls apart. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> those are some tough years. Uh, so I'm still just a kid, you know, the whole gender separation and and on top of gender sort of like starting to like separate each other as well as wanting to date each other and all that that was yeah. that was that, i wouldn't have to deal with that you know Interesting girls and boys were around the same height I actually was taller than everybody else so we were all sort of equally strong and equally fast or not mm-hmm. you know and, then- and it, so that was just a fun time and i had a best friend and i was going to a school in the canal zone back when the u.s still owned the territory of the panama canal and schools around it so gotcha. i was also living that multicultural life of being in panama but being schooled in the American system on actual U.S. territory within this larger country. And that was all weird and great. I mean, I didn't think it was weird at the time. But looking back at it, I was like, oh, that's unusual. Huh. Um, you know, okay. because it's not like, say, when you live in another country and you're there's the little expat bubble, mm-hmm. but you're in the country. Yeah. Whereas Panama with the Canal Zone, you were kind of in, it was like Florida. Right. <laughs> you were kind of in the States when you went to school, not just school, but like the surrounding neighborhood. Gotcha. You touched in there a little bit with the culture there. Before I go into the TCK thing, you had naturally a multicultural household. Yeah. Did you find that you had to navigate between the different cultures? For example, was talking to your mom's uh, family different than talking to your dad's family and were you expected to act a certain way and certain times? Yes, that was completely normal. That whole being a bridge and being a chameleon and being a, and, and of course I was never enough of either (laughs) because if we'd stayed in Guatemala or at least in Central America, then I would have remained Guatemalan, you know? And Mm -hmm. so at least I would have, I would have never lost that. Or if we just stayed in the States, I would eventually assimilate it enough. But since I, we kept moving, I was never quite you know it's all cultural references right they're right. talking about that tv show and that great singer and this particular sports team and all that stuff and you don't know because you're in egypt <laughs> so you're coming back for summer or for christmas to wherever and the family dynamics were there very different because the guatemalan side was typically latin and that they were very loving and close and mildly claustrophobic wow. <laughs> like you'd wow. get there and be like oh i feel so loved and then after two weeks you'd be like oh, i can't breathe <laughs> you know? um, and then in the states that's not how that's not how it was that was a, it's a irish 
they, they, they identify as Irish American, but they're like Irish, German, French, English, but they're yeah. more sort of whatever it is typically American, whatever that means, which is less physically affectionate, less overwhelmingly loving and wanting to know where you're going and all of that kind of thing. They were more sort of say fair. Gotcha. Well, th- how did that affect your identity? When did you, you mentioned briefly that it, back then you were, you didn't really, it just was natural to you, but when did you start to notice a difference and when did you start to feel conflicted if you did at all? I think it started, it was at different points. Like the first time I encountered racism was in the USA when I was about five years old. And that was the first time I realized I was, even though I was American, I wasn't seen as American or I certainly just wasn't seen as typical. And I was this other, you know, so that was, oh, because when you're little, you're just you. Mm -hmm. I mean, always just us, but you're really, really just yourself and you're not questioning your background or anything. So that I sort of associated that with the USA. And then when we'd go back to Guatemala for Christmas and stuff, uh, the family's very religious, they're Catholic and very enclosed. And I realized, oh, I'm not part of that either. So that was, and that I noticed, I think the most right around puberty. That's when, that's when I just started really noticing everything and thinking this is and also we moved from Panama to the USA, which was a very rough move. And once again, I noticed the huge racial differences or segregation, social segregation in, yeah. in New England at any rate. How did you deal, if you don't mind me asking, with the segregation? Was there a process or? Yeah, yeah. I go into it in my solo show. The, the first kids who talked to me when we came back to the States and I was going to school, sixth grade, were the African-American girls in my class who were bust in from out of town because uh-huh. there were no... African-Americans are black people in this entire town, (laughs) (laughs) which was shocking coming from Panama. It was just shocking to see, oh, there's an entire demographic that doesn't exist in this town. Right. They have to be bussed in and they were, you know, really lovely to me. And then we had a huge misunderstanding because of our different life experiences that made them think that I was dismissing or rejecting them, which I wasn't doing at all, Mm. which I... It's in my solo show, but it's it was it was devastating. And then I lost my friends. And then I made new friends and they were not surprisingly, two of them were from Australia. One had lived in Colombia. It was more of a TCK crowd, but I certainly couldn't talk to them about race or being a person of color or anything like that because they were all white. So that was fascinating. At that time, you lost your old friends and that you were replaced with more, I guess, multicultural friends who might be able to relate more. With the international aspect of yeah, life yeah, and but, global thing, but not at all with race. Yes. So uh, I, okay. I could have maybe started to talk to, we weren't friends long enough. I lost them pretty quickly, like within two weeks. <laughs> but we started to talk about that stuff. And I lost them too early for that. And then there were the TCK type kids, which was great, but my multicultural family, I couldn't really talk about. You know, I admire you for being able to share that. It's funny, I I grew up in Sweden at one point in my life, but I was too young to really understand the concept of race. But when I moved to Burkina Faso when I was 10, I had uh, my first interaction with real Europeans and Americans in American middle school. And it was yeah. also a French-speaking country. And I found myself feeling inferior because I, I felt like I, I needed to fit in. And I sounded yeah. I sounded very different. I didn't look the same way. And, and I was saying things to myself like, I wish my hair texture was different or you know, yeah. things like that. And, and then it was just this whole identity. Because one person had asked me, I remember, it was my first week of school. It was a white guy. Um, 
and we grew to be friends. He just, he wasn't trying to be mean or anything, but he just asked me, looked at me and said, why is your hair so curly? And I, I, I didn't, I didn't understand. And he said, your hair is so curly and it's so low. Why doesn't it grow? And I was just looking at him and I didn't have any answer, but I remember feeling so, so sad after that. And then, um, I had to yeah. just, uh, figure it out. But, um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that was that. All right. Now you mentioned solo show. Other people have memoirs. Other people have blogs. Why a solo show for you? Yeah, I mean, I think for me because I was I was tempted to do both, and I am going to write a memoir. But um, but a solo show just because I realized I'm an actress, and that's that's the most that's sort of the purest, most immediate form of communication with the people I'm trying to connect with mm-hmm. that I know. It's it's literally live. It's mm-hmm. happening in the same room, and you're all experiencing it together, and every show is different depending on the audience and depending on whatever I had, whatever I had for breakfast that morning. So I love that experience. And I think that everybody needs to express themselves, but I will add, I will posit, and many studies apparently now show this, that TCKs in particular, because of the upheaval of their lives, all of the different worlds that they live among that they are traversing between and balancing and trying to be chameleons in. And we have a lot to tell. We literally have more stories. Like I read this thing that said the average TCK, by the time he or she turns 15, has experienced more loss, more adventure, more danger. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. More everything Mm. than most people do until they're 80. So we've experienced 80 years of life in 15, which is (laughs) in some ways, frankly, trauma. Because how can the psyche, the psyche can't process Mm. that with ease. Something's going to fall apart. Something's going to slip. Something's, you know, we have more stories to express. We rarely get to because we're rarely among each other. Mm. So, you know, you say, you say, oh, when I was in Burkina Faso and the person's eyes glaze over. Yeah. And that's brilliant. <laughs> You're like, that's just up, just up, right? Yeah. Right. And why even go into it? Because they're not going to be able to understand what you say. And all you're saying is there I was at school, but it's still too much for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I recommend, you know, I think that artistic expression, writing it down, performing it, spoken word, you know, slam poetry, blog it, do it on a video blog, whatever, is actually necessary for TCKs. Because it's more than journaling. It's, it's, you're really trying to craft something and you're trying to find a beginning, middle and end. You're trying to, it just helps you process the whole experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. So for me, solo show because I'm an actress. Talk about your show. How many how many shows do you do and what what's the format? And uh, if also you talk about your podcast so people can go in there and uh, listen to it more. But um, I'm very curious to see how the the solo show is structured and kind of how people can be participate uh, participants and uh, how they can find you on podcast. Great. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I, I only at the moment, I only have one solo show. I'm going to start writing another one. But this one's Alien Citizen and Earth Odyssey. And you can find it at the website, which is aliencitizensoloshow.com. Dot com. And uh, the structure of it, I begin it with, because the, as you can tell from the title, I'm, I'm, I'm comparing being a TCK with being a Martian. <laughs> uh, so I begin it and I come out in the darkness. And when the lights come up, I've got like this crazy headband, alien headband with the bobbly things on the top and mm. this weird hair just to get a laugh. And the voice of doom or God or whatever you want to say, but a very low voiced, booming voice says, who are you? Uh. And I say, what? And it says... Where are you from? I say, uh, that, that, that's a good question. And before I can go on, it interrupts me and says, what are you? And I say, yeah. <laughs> and then I take off the headgear and I sit down in my chair and I start miming that I'm bicycling. And I talk about how I'm biking in Cairo, Egypt. And I talk about an incident that happened more than once in Cairo that was unpleasant and painful while bicycling to school that I never spoke about. Because I was taught no. through osmosis by all the adults around me as a TCK to concentrate on the positive and to not focus on the negative of your experiences. And then, and then I have a TCK a projection behind me that, that, that says TCK 101 on it. And I describe, I, I define what a TCK is in a global nomad. And I'm, I'm just trying to let the audience know very quickly, there's something that we have in common as TCKs usually, which is that we were expected to be good guests. And sometimes that meant we had to sacrifice our own well-being. <laughs> Right. Or that's what we thought anyway as kids. Like that's a belief a lot of us had. Yeah. To complain about the host country. Not even complain, to just say, This really painful, scary thing happened to me today mm. was somehow an unsafe thing. Because in some ways our parents and the teachers and the administrators of the schools and everybody would be would think, Oh, you're saying that living here is awful and that we shouldn't have moved you here and you're saying the whole lifestyle is terrible when you're not saying any of that. You're just saying this painful, scary thing happened to me today here. You just want to be heard, you know, sometimes. And then. Exactly. Yeah. So whole show sort of follows that. Then I take you back. You know, I, I, I go from Egypt to back to Guatemala and say, when I was little, we were Guatemalan. That's how I identified. And then I show how I lost that once I was losing language. And then I take us into each country and what sort of major events happened that helped to define me and confuse me. It's very interesting. And I now I'm actually I want to. You were going through the monologue there for a bit, and I was, I was like, okay, we're in the show. She's going to do the whole show. I'm going to watch it. But <laughs> so, where can I if, I, if I'm in LA, is it based in LA or is it a road show? Or? It's a road show right now. Uh, the next, uh, next performance is going to be in Reykjavik, Iceland in Iceland. August. Yeah, stay tuned for the dates. Okay. So okay. Exciting. Right. And I'm going to take it to Williams College in Massachusetts in September. Okay. And then to the Critical Mixed Race Studies Conference in Chicago in November. And I'm hoping to have other bookings. But um, so far, I'm not doing it in L.A. yet. I mean, okay. I, I did it five weeks when I had my world premiere a year yeah. ago. Okay. And since then, I've just been taking it around. Taking it around. Okay. All right. Um, you touched in a little bit with some of the cultures there and, you know, how we have to sacrifice ourselves. What is one way or maybe a few ways or what are a few ways that TCKs can turn 
that around and use it to an advantage. So in other words, you know, sometimes we sacrifice ourselves to be everything to everyone, but how can we better for ourselves and better for our community as well? Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful question. I, I you know I think it's 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 down to each individual. But like you, if it takes talking to other TCKs, going to the websites, talking to a therapist who's good with global nomads, blogging, whatever it does for you to find where the line is for you, because and and to just check in with ourselves. Because one of the things we learned not to do was to check in with our own bodies in terms of how we felt. Right. We just learned this, you know, we just learned to pay no attention to discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean just the, I don't mean like well, those of us who grew up in poorer countries. That's all I'm talking about. Although that's a little bit, but that's okay. Hmm. I mean, physical discomfort inside you, that tension, the fear, the dread, the uh, anxiety, any stressors that we felt we learned to ignore. Yeah. And I think to take care of ourselves, to learn to really check into that and think, wow, I'm feeling I'm getting a stomach ache or I'm having trouble breathing properly or something's going on with me and breathe into it. Completely honor it. Don't think, oh, I'm the problem. Your body's not the problem. Your body's telling you something. From there, you know, I really think, I just believe in this stuff. Like just breathe into it. it you know, help yourself calm down with it. Be super loving and kind to yourself as that's happening. And then you can speak to whatever is bothering you, like whatever the situation is that's making you uncomfortable, which might be somebody saying something really ignorant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, or being the only person in the group who hasn't experienced that thing because you were in Sweden while they were in Texas. Right. Or whatever it is. And that alone, being kind to yourself first and then speaking is going to be A, good for you and B, they'll hear you better. Because you won't be tense, anxious, stressed out, angry, or lying to yeah. try to fit it. You know what I'm finding? I, I know you probably experienced this because you've been podcasting for a little bit now. The more I'm podcasting and blogging, especially when I'm interviewing people, I start to recall stories from my past. Like th that story about my hair. <laughs> the story about my hair. I, I hadn't even <laughs> come to terms. that I didn't remember that until, I don't know, last time I even thought about that. Maybe I was in eighth grade or seventh grade. Yeah. Rather. And then you started to say the race and I, I just... It occurred to me that I was, I had suppressed a lot of things. Um, and then I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And I was blogging the other day, and I was just writing, trying to think about something in the past, and I just stories started to come to me. But it's exactly yeah. what you're saying. It's, it's we're so predispositioned to yeah. just block everything out. It's okay. Can't talk to anybody. Mom, dad, no one's gonna understand. You're complaining. You get to travel everywhere. What do you have to complain right. about? We're so lucky. Yeah. We're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but um no, it's so true. I, that's why I think it's I think it's a good point that you bring in that whatever creative outlet that we have, uh it's it's important that we exercise it. Uh and it's and it might might be the solo show. It might be the podcast. It might yeah. be writing. But it it needs to be expressed because and that that's a way for us to be kind to ourselves as well just release yeah i've started writing the solo show i was like gosh i don't you know i, I know i want to tell stories from from growing up around the world but I, there's a lot of, i remember i think but so much more came up just as i st just by starting the process yeah. of remembering one thing it would lead to something else and something else and, and especially with our lives things would link up mm -hmm. from different countries with like 10 years in between right and um and I, I, I think the reason expressing ourselves creatively is so important is that it's, it, again, it's different from journaling. You're not just kind of purging and you're not just kind of describing. 
you have to find a way to craft it so that it's crystal clear to you and hopefully then to your audience or your readership. Right. And that act alone is very healing and very validating. I, no, I agree. I agree. And I, I, you know, I think it's, it's great that you're doing this. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just starting this process. So um, I'm going to be learning from people like you. And obviously, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, okay. All right. So uh, as we get ready to wrap this up here, what are you up to? Where can we find you? What's the best way to reach you? Excellent. Yes. I'm, I'm, I've got the solo show, alien citizen, solo show.com. I also have a podcast called Hapa happy hour, which explores and celebrates the mixed heritage experience, but it also goes into TCK experiences because I'm one of the three co-host so i'm always talking about it okay and you can find that on itunes it's called okay. hapa happy hour and you can also find it at l-i-b-s-y-n libsyn.com libsyn okay and i have a uh, column at the displacednation.com in which i interview adult third culture kids who work in creative fields yeah so you can find that at the displacednation.com and that's that's basically what's going on oh i also uh, lead a workshop on writing your solo show or your memoir so I'm doing that in LA, but I intend to start doing that online as well. That can be found through links at the uh, Alien Citizen Solo Show dot com uh, when that when that happens. You're technically everywhere. So uh, basically, <laughs> all, I'm I'm going to put all those uh, websites on on the blog post when this episode airs. So it's uh, all accessible, and everybody knows how to reach you in a different ways. Okay, two questions here: What's what country has the best food, and which country oh. has the best movies? Of the countries I lived in, Morocco has the best food. Morocco. Hands down. Even outside of restaurants, best produce, best cheese, best pastries. Oh, God. It was amazing. <laughs> and best movies. Wow. Of the ones I lived in, I mean, Egypt made some amazing movies in its golden years. But but the USA, you know, they've got so much uh, product that yeah. you can find good stuff. Yeah, and plus, you know, you're an actress, so I figured I would ask you this. I know it's harder for you, but... So, I guess you would say U.S. by default, Hollywood. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's been a pleasure, Lisa. I just want to thank you for your time. And um, this has been great, especially talking about the artistic element. Uh, I'm really glad that we got to talk about this. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for asking me. It's been an honor. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to us told by nomads. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher and subscribe. Also, be sure to head over to my website, tyroxin.com, to subscribe for more updates and tips on how to navigate the world and check out some of the other things I'm doing. Till next time, remember, home is not necessarily a physical place. It is wherever you most feel comfortable. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.